Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mozingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Today, we're going to change things up just a little bit. Pastor Todd published a book a couple of years ago called Hide and Seek. He is joined by his wife, Jan, and Revive's assistant pastor, Massey Campos, to discuss this series about the lies that hide in our soul that lead us to believe things that are not true and then to act on those beliefs. Today, they are looking at the stronghold of fear. A stronghold is a fortress, a result from 1 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, of speculations that become lofty things in our minds that are raised up against the knowledge of God and become beliefs. In the last couple of years, fear has really taken over people's lives in response to the pandemic. This is not God's way. We can find ourselves entertaining speculations from the world such that they grow in our minds to become lofty things that oppose God's will for us. Fear, as a tool of Satan, is constantly roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may steal and kill and destroy. Let's listen in to what Pastor Todd, Jan, and Massey discuss about this important topic. We talked about how when we play hide-and-seek as children, uh, once you have hidden in a place and it has been exposed, it is no longer a good hiding spot. Uh, because the, the person seeking you out will go there and look first to see if you're hiding there again. So it doesn't turn out to be a good spot. So we talked about strongholds in our lives, lies that we believe, lies that are in our belief system. And those lies hide in our belief system. And our job is to play a little hide and seek, find them, expose them, and make sure that's a place they can't hide anymore. So we talked about how strongholds actually start with thoughts. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says that we go from thoughts to lofty things where we begin to elevate our thoughts against the things of God. And then we set them above the things of God when we speculate. And then we get to a place where it's a stronghold. It is a belief in our system that is a lie and that is now a stronghold in us. Uh, So today I'm going to talk about the particular stronghold of fear. The lie of fear that hides out within us. We want to talk about fear from the aspect that something is threatening you and it's threatening to overtake you in some way and fear has come upon you that it might actually overtake you. So we're talking about fear and this is one thing I know about everybody in the room, even you, Paul, everybody in the room, everybody in the room has survived fear. How do I know that? Because you're alive. Since you're alive, it didn't take you out. It didn't take you down. It was simply fear that came against you. But we're going to expose that starting in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Depending on your version, that Greek word is dalia. Dalia means fear or cowardice. Fear or cowardice. So God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and discipline. So out of the scripture, this is what I know. There is a spirit of fear. There's a spirit of fear that can come after you. And listen to you, once fear enters the domain of your life, it is not from God. Fear is not from God. Fear is a spirit from the enemy. Now listen to me, any decision you make from that fear is ungodly. 
Any decision I make out of that fear from being afraid, any decision I make there is going to be ungodly because that fear was ungodly. Now, once I believe that threat, fear comes in, it establishes a stronghold in my life. And you believe, um, your belief process starts with that thought to consider so that we have to take that thought captive right there. And, and the weird thing about fear is, is after fear, you look back and you realize, why did I make that thing so big? Do you know that seven city blocks of fog is one glass of water? Kind of takes the intimidation out of seven city blocks of fear when it can be contained in one cup. Yeah, so we have this thing that we grow and we make big, and this is what we try to do. We try to fight it in our mind. We try to think it through and process it through, and we try to go against it. Let me tell you something. If you're going to fight fear with your mind, you're going to lose. Now, even though we're taking a thought captive, we can't take the thought captive with a thought. We have to battle it in our spirit through faith. Because when we come in our spirit through faith, we have a chance to take it captive to Christ because we're working in the Christ realm. We're no longer working in the realm of our mind. We're working where Christ is. So we have to go through faith. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. It's going to surprise you for a bit, but let me explain it. Did you know that fear and faith are essentially the same thing? How can that be? Watch this. Fear is when I am believing in the things of death that Satan brings. And faith is when I am believing in the things of life that God brings. One person got it, and I saw two people writing it down. Listen to me, fear and faith are the same. What do I do in faith? I believe the things of God, and the things of God are life. The same way when I'm in fear, I'm believing the things of the enemy. I'm believing the things of Satan, and those things are things of death. So I've got to look at those two as fear and faith are essentially putting my belief in something. I'm even putting my belief in the truth and life. I'm putting my belief in a lie and death. Got it? Got it. I'll let you write that down afterwards. Okay, so when is the very first time we see fear step into the life of us. It's actually back in the garden. See, God creates this world. He creates this planet. He creates this people. Uh, he creates this garden. And it's all done out of love. You see, some people will say, well, God created us for companionship. Listen, he doesn't need my company. I'm not that good a company anyways, but he doesn't have a need for something. He wanted to love so he creates out of love and earth for us. He creates a people for us. He creates the spouse relationship for us. He creates a garden. He says, it's yours. Enjoy it. We didn't have to pay for it. He just gave it to us. It was free out of his love. And that garden was nothing but love. And there was no fear there. So how did fear get in there? Sin. See, when Adam sinned, fear stepped into the garden. What happened was that the love of God was rejected by Adam in sin, and then fear stepped into the garden. How do I know that? Because after Adam sinned, God came looking for him, and Adam said, we hid because we were afraid. 
So now there is fear, and that fear is creating a separation between the love of God environment and the fear environment. Listen to me what I'm saying. God came and said, there's sin, now you have fear, now I have to set you out of the garden because you've stepped outside of my love. So when fear came in, man learned to hide from the love of God. Think about that. When fear came in, man learned to hide from the love of God. And if fear then has the opportunity now that we're outside of the love of God because we're hiding from the love of God, fear has the opportunity to torment us. It has the opportunity to punish us because we're no longer in the love of God. We're in the atmosphere of fear. I hope you're seeing that. I do. I do. But understanding that might help you understand 1 John 4. Let's go to 1 John 4, 15. 1 John 4, 15. It says this, whoever confesses Jesus as the son of God. So who are we talking to? Believers. We're talking to believers. Whoever confesses Jesus, that Jesus is the son of God. Scripture tells us you can't do that without the spirit. That's done by the spirit. God abides in him and he in God. Now that's a critical statement. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is, repeat that, God is, okay, so we've heard that statement over and over and over, right? God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, by what? By this abiding By this abiding, love is perfected with us. It's made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Not about you, but that just sounded like a curveball that got thrown in there. Here we're talking about love and us abiding in God and God abiding in us and confessing Jesus as Savior. And then he says, whoever does that has confidence in the day of judgment. What would the day of judgment be? It would be the time where the accusation is going to come forth. It would be time where the fear is an opportunity. It would be time for the condemnation. But he says, if you're abiding in God, you're going to have confidence in that day. Why? Because the accusation is not going to stick, because the judgment's not going to come, because the condemnation's not going to be there. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Man, we could preach on that all day. Okay, because God is what? Because as he is, so also are we in this world. So in this world, we are good. You guys are so good. You're just tracking, tracking. Let's go to verse 18. This is where I want to camp out this morning. There is no fear in love. Okay, this is my base statement for everything I'm going to stay from here forward. Fear and love cannot coexist. There is none of that fear thing in love. So if we're talking about love, there can't be any of that fear thing because there's no fear in love. But perfect love cast out the fear. God is, and love cast out fear, so God cast out, wow, you guys are just so good. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. Remember about being confident in the day of judgment? There's no punishment coming. 
Why? Because a perfect love, God cast out the fear. Why? Because in love, there is no fear. So there is no fear at the point of judgment. Therefore, there is no fear of punishment in love. Hope you're staying with me. And the one who fears, so if you have fear, then you're not perfected in love. Now, the word perfected means completed. So you are not complete in love, in the abiding relationship with God if there's fear because there's no fear in love. So how can you be abiding in God if there's fear? So if there is no fear, this is what I know. I'm out of the garden. I'm out of the garden. I'm out of the abiding relationship. Somehow, because inside the garden, in the abiding relationship, in love, there is no fear, but I'm in fear, so I must be out of that. 19, we love because he first loved us. So when you abide in God, you abide in love. And since there's no condemnation and no punishment and no torment there, that's where I want to be. So love and abiding in God, who is love, cast out fear. Now watch this. That being true, the converse is fear will cast out love. Fear in my life will cast out God from my life because I've stepped out of God is love. And when I'm in love, I have no fear. But if I have fear, I have to push God away. <clears throat> so let's do this. How do you know then if you're abiding in him? If, if this is fear and it's, it's pushing out love and this is love and it has no fear, how do I know when I'm in? It's in verse 13. And verse 13 says, by this we'll know that we abide in him and he in us. Uh, what I'm about to tell you is how we'll know that we abide in him and he in us. If you want to know how we abide in him and he in us, it's right here. It is because he has given us his spirit. So the spirit of God is God abiding in me. Therefore, the love is in me. Therefore, fear cannot be in me because I'm abiding in love. And yet you say, I don't get it because I still have fear, but I've given my life to Christ and I believe I'm indwelled with the Holy Spirit. So why am I struggling with this fear thing? Let me, let me, let me show you something. Uh, there are facts in this world. Uh, and then there is truth in this world. I don't know if you know there's a difference between facts and truth. How do I know truth? Truth is what God said. How do I know facts? They are what they are. So I go to the doctor and I have a tumor. If I have a tumor, I could have fear if I did not know the truth. And the truth is that by his stripes, I was healed. So I can stand on the truth and say, because I have a tumor doesn't bring fear because I'm in the truth. I know that that tumor's got to go. Wow, some of you are like almost ready to believe that, but you're just not sure. Mm. So this is what I know. Facts often want to bring fear, but truth always, everybody say always, always expels fear. Truth has to expel fear because there's truth in God and there's no fear in God. So the truth of God will expel the fear. Let me give you a scripture on that. Let's go to Isaiah 51. Uh, this is God. Uh, I think sometimes when we look at the, um, um, what do you call that? Your, your tone of voice, your affliction. What do you call that? Inflection. Okay. I think this is one of those scriptures that one day we'll get to sit down with God and say, tell me how you said this. I want you to listen to this. This is God really comparing himself to the oppression of the enemy. He says, I, even I, am the one who comforts you 
and you're afraid of the man who dies and the son of man who's like grass? That you've forgotten that your Lord and maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth, that you continually all day long fear because of the fury of the oppressor as he makes ready to destroy. But where is the fury of the oppressor? This is what God is saying in this scripture. You got fear over what the enemy's doing to you? I created the enemy. I put the enemy under your feet. I am the God who created everything that's around you that is, that was, that ever will be, and it's all sourced in me, and I'm all power, and you're telling me that your enemy has some kind of fury? Your enemy has nothing. He says, you've forgotten your Lord. You've forgotten who I am. Shoo! Whew. Look at Isaiah 54, 14. It kind of gives that same, that same statement. It says, in righteousness, you will be established. Oh, you're going to be far from oppression for you will not fear. I want you to notice it did not say if you will not fear. It said you will be far from oppression for you will not fear and any terror for it will come, not come near you. What he just said was, if fear comes in, you've given the enemy strength. But if you will not fear, oppression will stay far from you. Amen. Let me read it again so you got it. In righteousness you'll be established, for you will be far from oppression because you will not fear. And from terror, it won't come near you. And I don't know if you're seeing this parallel, but he's saying, if you want to dispel fear, then um, stand in righteousness. Do not fear, and your enemy will run from you. I want you to look at Philippians, Philippians 1.27. I think this says it best for me. Philippians 1.27. Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I remain absent... I'll hear of you that you were standing firm in one spirit and in one mind and striving together for the faith of the gospel and in, and in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction. If I say for them, you have no idea what you just said, but of salvation for you and that too from God. Did you notice it said it will be a sign of destruction for them? Tell me you saw that. It will be a sign of destruction for them. And it said you in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them. In other words, who is the them? My, my opponent that comes against me. When you are not afraid of the enemy, you are broadcasting a message. It reminds the enemy that they are bound for destruction. Your lack of fear reminds a demon that the demon is going to hell. <laughs> okay. I think you're halfway there. So as I walk through my life, if I choose to allow fear to come in, I've opened the door for torment because I'm outside of the love of God. 
But if I choose not to fear and I don't fear, my oppression is far from me and it sends a message to the demonic hell that you're out of here, you lose, we win, you're done. So I want to walk in a place where I'm saying I don't have fear because Jesus has already won the victory. Oh, let's do it this way. Okay, so let's say, let's say you were going to war this afternoon. And in that battle that we're going to do this afternoon, as a leader, I tell you, I don't know how this thing's going to come out, but we're going to fight hard. And at the end of the day, we'll see who won. You're like, the charge, yeah, let's go. But what if I were to say to you, I've already gone to the end of the day. I've already moved forward in time and we won this one. This battle we won. We fought and we won. And I tell you, now let's go do that battle. How do you fight now? With an extreme confidence. It's like, we're not gonna lose. Let's go. Let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. Listen, Jesus has already won the victory. So we're fighting this enemy from a standpoint of victory. We've already won. So what am I afraid of? Am I afraid of losing? How can I lose? I've already won. All right. Let's go to Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1. I read this a couple weeks ago. I just want to remind you of it today. Jeremiah 1, 8, 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth. The Lord stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth. And then he said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now listen to me. If God comes to you and says, I have some of my words that I want to put in your mouth, would you expect there's going to be a reason why you have those words in your mouth? So God has said, I have put my words, not your words, not what you could come up with. I put my words in your mouth. Look at 10. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. That's talking about the enemy. I have pointed you this day with my words on your mouth to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, and then to build and to plant. What is he saying? When I put my words in your mouth, you have the opportunity to destroy and overcome the enemy and plant and build for the kingdom. So what I look for is what is hiding in me and what words have God put on my lips so that I can expose that hiding place a fear has and, and I can speak to it the words of God. And I think I would speak something like Luke 1, 68 through 75. Luke 1, 68 through 75. Word of God says this, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. He has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. And this is what he's spoken, salvation from our enemies. That's a promise. And from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath of which he swore to Abraham, our father, 74, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, that's a promise, God has rescued us from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. fear. No fear. I might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all, everybody say all, all of my days. 
He has rescued me, put his words on our mouth so that we might live without fear the rest of our life because when we live in fear, we enable the enemy to bring in torment. And when we stand and we don't have fear, then we condemn the enemy to a hell because we've already won the victory and we know it. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. Yeah. So let me, let me give you maybe a few closing notes, okay? Um, it is your faith that moves God. Now I want you to hear me because this could be considered a sensitive thing I'm about to say, but I want you to get my point and don't dig too hard on my words. I don't think it's your tears that move God. I don't think it's your fear that moves God. I don't think it's your emotions that moves God. I don't think it's your helplessness that moves God. I think what moves God is your faith in him. So when I express my faith in him as my rescuer, I'm standing up and I'm opposing that enemy and I'm discarding fear and I'm walking into love and I'm saying, I'm going to believe what you said. I'm going to put my faith in you and God moves on my behalf because of that. And so some people ask me, how come you don't seem to ever wrestle with fear? Because I got a track record with God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he's already rescued me from enough. I've already had those moments of fear and I've seen him come through. I've already stood on his word. I've already proclaimed the words that he put on my mouth. I've already dispelled that fear. I've already watched the enemy run when I'm not afraid. So I know that he can do it for me and I know that he can do it for you. So let me just give you a piece of advice. Write this down somewhere. Play it out. Play it out out when fear comes in your life. What do I mean by played out? God loves you. God protects you. Let God use his timing to resolve it, but don't open the door to fear. Now I'm going to read my next statement off my notes because I want you to hear it just like I wrote it when I was studying. Sometimes when we fear, we are telling God, I don't trust you because you are not fixing this right now. So I will step into the enemy's camp, enable the enemy with my fear, stop abiding you in you, and think that's a better option. Sometimes when we fear, we're telling God, I don't trust you because you're not fixing it right now. So I'm going to step into the enemy's camp, enable the fear of the enemy, stop abiding in you, and think that's a better option. Mercy, what's wrong with us? He created it all. He loves you. He created you out of love. So how do we make this practical? How do we, how do we get to that place where, well, if fear is going to come, what do I do with that? How do I, how do I stand against, how do I not accept that fear? I want you to do me a favor. I just want you to close your eyes and I'm going to read a Psalm to you. Just want you to close your eyes. I want you to receive this. I'm speaking over this audience today that you're going to receive this in your spirit. It's going to be planted there and it's going to be disseminated to your soul and your body's going to respond and hear the words you're going to hear. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Who am I going to dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour me, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host camped against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rises up against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord, one thing that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. 
For in the day of trouble, he's going to conceal me in his tabernacle. And in the secret place of his tent, he's going to hide me. Then he will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I'll sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. And when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your from your servant in anger. You have been my help. You do not abandon me, nor do you forsake me. Oh, God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Don't deliver me over to the desires of my adversary, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired. Oh, I would have had fear unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Amen. Now listen to me. Here's what God is saying in there. He's not going to let you down. But when you profess a fear, you're allowing yourself to be tormented until the rescue comes. He's not going to abandon you. But if you choose to sin, if you choose to step out of the garden, you're choosing to step out of his abiding love and you're choosing to allow the enemy to bring fear and torment you. How do I keep that from happening? I stay in the abiding love of God. How do I do that? He puts his words on my mouth. I, I believe what he said. I believe that he will never leave me. I believe that he will never forsake me. I believe that he has made plans for me. I know that I can count on those things. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. What if, in our attempt to get something from Scripture, we are missing the point of that Scripture? What if in our desire to do better and walk our Christianity more closely in line with Scripture, we are missing what the Scripture is about? Pastor Todd's latest book, Flip the Script, takes a fresh look at what the Scriptures are meant to teach us about the kingdom of God so that application comes from spiritual understanding instead of behavior modifications. This new book is available now on Amazon, Flip the Script. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.